This podcast was created during the 2023 WGA and SAG after strikes. Fortunately for us, the WGA seems to have reached a tentative agreement with AMTPT. However, SAG-AFTRA has not yet. So please continue to support the Entertainment Community Fund. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thanks. Morgays, the Queen of Andor, has issued the following proclamation. This podcast shall be discussing the most recent episode of Wheel of Time. If you have not seen that episode and do not wish to be spoiled, go witness the dragon reborn in the latest episode and then return. So it is written, so shall it be done. I just want to do what's worse. I really like what's worse. Welcome to Bustin' Blockbusters. My name is Matt Murdick. You can call me Double M if you want. I'm joined here with Priscilla and Bubba to talk about Season 2, Episode 7, Destamar, The Game of Houses, baby, written by Justine Jewel Gilmer and directed by Sana Hamri. Your synopsis, a familiar face, foils Moraine and Rand's plans wow okay well i've got bubba and priscilla back with me they're quite disgusted with me despite the fact that i have to do two podcasts a week with bubba i'm sure he was happy to have the break last friday except for the fact that it was such a fabulous episode oh hail the court of morgay's queen of andor is now in session The Queen will now hear proclamations of ratings for this episode of Wheel of Time. Well, let's go, because we're talking about episode six. Yes, wonderful, and also episode seven. I'm going to only give this, and I'm really talking about episode seven, six double Bs out of ten. Double Bs? Wow, double Bs. Brilliance Betrayed. Episode six was so wonderfully tense, so so enthralling. I like, as soon as it was over, I wanted to go online and read spoilers, but I'm not allowed to do that. I'm the non-book reader on this show. I loved it. I need, need, need to know if Egwene can escape this horrific face of having this thing around her neck. I mean, it was tense. It was edge of your seat thrills more so than anything any episode ever like this is episode six of season two i loved it i was like boy if they could have had episodes like this at the beginning you know this show would be the biggest show on television it was so great it was so good i I feel bad for the fans who didn't make it all the way to season two episode six and then episode seven happened Uh and the edge of your three seat thrills became let's have a couple scenes of perrin walking in real time through the desert Okay, let's have the heroes who at the end of episode six have stopped Rand from going to Falm at the end of episode seven. Yeah, yeah, okay, he's going to Falm just like he originally was planning to. And we're going to have Moraine get her powers back. Oh, this is so exciting. Everybody knew it was going to happen. How's it going to happen? Oh, that's how it's going to happen. Okay, there were things in episode seven I did like. And in fact, things in episode seven I loved. I loved 
the Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene storyline. I, I just think it's the best. Anytime it's on, I'm like, this is incredible. When they collared that woman in episode seven, I loved it. The nephew, Moraine's nephew, being a dark friend. What a wonderful twist. I did like that. Everything else, to me, it was kind of slow-paced. Where is this mm-hmm. going? The direction I thought we were headed for, which I still think we're headed for in the season finale. For me, episode seven, it just it just frustrated me to no end. Even the, even the beginning, where it's like, oh, wait a minute. Moraine has had this in, in Suan. They've had this plan for 20 years. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I'm a, I haven't read the book, and I kind of knew they've had a plan for 20 years. Obviously, they've been doing it. Ending with Moraine in a un, uneasy alliance for the time being with Lanfear. This episode really was tough for me, a non-book reader. And it's funny because I have seen uh, online, I've seen some book readers have a similar response to me, and I've seen some book readers say, this is wonderful. So as the non-book reader, I've just spit out a lot of things of how I felt, but I was on such a high after episode six. Episode seven didn't continue with that high. I thought we were building momentum to the end of the season, and it felt like episode seven was like, we're still headed to that awesome place you think we're going, but we're kind of doing it slow. (laughs) Those are my Uh, thoughts. I've gone crazy, but that's how I felt. Six out of 10 for episode seven. Wow, that's uh, that's the lowest rating you've had this season, I believe. Yeah, yeah it's my um, least You may have had something season. lower in season one, but it, I think that's the lowest you've been. Yeah, so I, I understand uh, there are people that feel your way. There were a lot of people who felt like um, that there were too many storylines shoved into this. It almost And it was one of the shortest episodes of the season. So... Uh, Perhaps a, a little more extension might have helped that a little bit, although it sounds like for you it would have just made it worse. But uh, they did seem like they had to cram in a lot of things to get everybody to Falma. Uh, Priscilla, how did you feel about all of this? You're, uh, we saw your mm-hmm. video on episode six um, that you put out on your YouTube channel, Priscilla TV One, uh, for you folks looking for that YouTube channel. But how did you feel about episode seven and uh, coming off the heels of episode six? Well, uh, I have already figured out that we would have like at least one episode where we had to play catch up with like all the storylines because the last three episodes we were leaving some storylines out or we were just like not really focused on other storylines and we had to put everybody in place to go to Falma because Falma is the big showdown. Like what Baba said, you know, I understand that this was a kind of a divisive episode. There are some people that really like, some people that really feel that this is weak. But strangely enough, the, the complaint that I hear most is that, that it felt too rushed, like too jumping from one scene to the other. Like that, that would be actually um, the thing that I just liked the most in this episode is that uh, we didn't uh, we didn't stay too long in, with one point of view. We were jumping like back and forth, back and forth. But uh, I accepted that it had to be this way. They just had like eight episodes a season to tell the story. Nevertheless, like I would give like an, an 8.5 out of 10 double S for the S this episode. Double S's. 
Yeah, so stupid Siwon. I don't understand what's going on in this woman. Swan Sanshi, I really don't understand. I really don't. Especially if we think about Swan in the first season. She was the one who told Moraine to go to the eye of the world. And right now she's like, oh, wow, the eye of the world mission was a failure because of you, Moraine. What is going on? It felt like a little bit like playing the blame game. I understood where Swan was coming from, uh, that Moraine kept her in the dark about the, her having lost the, the access to the one power. I understood that. But everything else felt very strange to the point where I searched online and I'm not the only one who was thinking that Swan was acting very weird. There is also like very uh, like um, some theories about why Swan was acting this way. You know? But uh, so far since this series, we don't know what is going on. There are some people that think that Swan uh, was being compelled to act the way she was acting, that she was being weird because she was being manipulated. But since we don't know that, I will assume that Swan simply, she lost her marbles and she let her girl Moraine go. She broke up with her girl Moraine after 20 years or so of being together uh, just because she wouldn't listen. So, and then she thought stupidly that she could uh, fight off love fear. It was like, whoa. So yeah, I don't understand you, Swan. Other than that, the Gwen storyline that picked up in the in the last three episodes is heartbreaking, continues to be heartbreaking, but I like that she's still out there. She's still there. She's still resisting. And uh, Rand is less annoying, continues to be less annoying, and I would love to see more of uh, Logan. So also very good to have Lamb back. All right. Well, I'm certainly glad that between the two of you, we did not decide to play the ratings in one minute game uh, this time around because you both had a lot to say and all of it great. I have uh, several doubles here and I'm going to need you guys to choose for me. Now, you've already used double S's, Priscilla, and Bubba, you've already used double B's. So that just leaves me down to double L's and double and triple C's, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. So... I want Priscilla to decide for me. What am I going to do? Double L's or triple C's? Well, we haven't had triples, so I would like to hear about your triple C's. All right. And because we've taken so much time with our ratings already, I have set a one-minute timer on my phone. I will hit start, and I will give you my review in one minute. Are you guys wow. ready? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Here we go in three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give this nine out of 10 what I like to call triple C's. Triple C's? Yeah, cats crossing the courtyard. We book readers knew that Moraine had to just be shielded. We knew that Barthanis was a dark friend. We, it just took him so long to get to it. I mean, that's what took the point off for me. And no men? That also helped take the point off for me. But oh my, did we expect the heartbreak we would get when it appears like this is the absolute end of the Swan and Moraine partnership? Fishwife no more? No! Lots of fun and heartbreak in this episode. 
Land finally has something to do. Not that investigation stuff, but he did have to say courtyard or cat crosses the courtyard because we needed that. Thank you, Rafe. Also, uh, Elaine was great. Nynaeve was great. Egwene was fantastic. Bane and Chiad are here. Toa's explained. Hopper is a good boy for getting upset with Bane and Chiad for beating up Avienda. Bane is horny. That's wonderful. Anavir and Barthanas was both awesome and heartbreaking. I mean, what else could you possibly ask for? Oh, yeah. Some mint. Just mint. Wow. Congratulations, Matt. That was, like, scary. Right. Never have I heard the words Bane is horny quite so quickly, so thank you. So it is written, so shall it be done. Folks, we want to know what you think about all of this. Please, you can send all your thoughts to us on social medias. I'm at bus blockbuster. You can also send things to Bubba. Please don't send book spoilers to Bubba because he is trying to keep from reading the books. Maybe we'll read the books together sometime, Bubba. Um, at the word double the letters PHQ. That's all the socials, including Facebook, facebook.com slash the word double the letters PHQ. You can send emails to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com. M-A-T-T-S audio blog at gmail.com. You can also send emails to hello at doublepmedia.com. That's the word double the letter P, the word media.com. And you can leave comments on the Double P Media YouTube channel, same spelling, youtube.com slash the word double, the letter P, the word media. You can always comment on Priscilla's videos as well. They're wonderful. Uh, Priscilla TV one is where you find her on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Priscilla TV one. And we're running out of time for the contest. If you want to win a $100 gift certificate from Amazon on me, something that you can just spend it on whatever. You don't have to spend it on Wheel of Time stuff like I do. You can spend it on whatever you want. But the deadline to enter is midnight, wherever you are in the world, October 7th. So midnight in France, that's your time. Midnight in Hawaii, that's your time. October 7th. Um, Melissa Nola, 7.30, actually, I think it's 73.06, has guessed the four TV franchises based on the book covers that are in a video, which you will find a link for in the show notes. And I just want to know, is there anybody else who's going to try to enter this? I know Priscilla and Bubba said it was too hard. It wasn't too hard. Somebody got it. If Melissa can get it, can you get it? Uh, that's all I have to say is there you are. You want a free $100 gift certificate from Amazon? Do you want to be in this thing? Or do we have to just put Melissa Nola 730's name on a, cause I got to spin a wheel because I have to say, I said, it's a chance to win, but I'll have to put it on the wheel like 30 times and just spin it and guess who it's going to land on. So enter that Melissa. contest. <laughs> enter that contest right now. That's all I've got to say. Just like the genie in the bottle, I'll give you three wishes, three questions, 
uh, maybe they're not so fun, but as a book reader, maybe I'll spoil myself on some of these stories or I'll prove to myself that I have no idea what's going on. So my first question, you ready? Yep. Okay. So I'm trying to put this together. The war 20 years ago, which in the flashback, Moraine is so happy about, hey, the war's over. That was a war against the Aiel, which are the people who are now hanging out with Perrin, right? And technically, Rand is was born of an Aiel woman, correct? correct. So, I so I understand that part of it. Has the show explained what what was the cause of that war? And and uh, I guess did it end with with the woman? who gave birth to Rand being killed. Those are That's one question with two parts. Has the show explained what, why there was a war? And was that the very end of it when that woman who gave birth to Rand died? Priscilla, I'll, I guess I'll try and tackle this just a little bit. And that is the fact uh-huh. that there's a lot of little pieces strung throughout the course of the two seasons, but you really have to put them together and you almost have to be a book reader to be able to do so. Hmm. So I, I think that your questions are perfectly valid here. Bubba. Yes, Rand is an Aiel, of course. Um, and as far as the war goes, um, there are all kinds of little, I guess you could call them Easter eggs, even in this season, especially on Moraine Damadred's door or on the Damadred house door. There's a thing of, of a tree there that explains how that Aiel war started, if you know the story. But hmm. because they haven't told that story yet, in the show i'm not sure that i want to relate it to you i think your question is perfectly valid that it's difficult to make these kinds of connections unless you're a book reader um and i don't know that the show has really done it how do you feel about this priscilla um i think we can already tell baba that the this war was caused by moraine's uncle because it it was stated in the show Okay. Moraine's, right. Moraine's uncle was the king. Mm-hmm. So when she talks to her sister Anvir, her sister like alludes to the fact that uh, their uncle uh, was responsible for um, basically destroying the name Damodred before that they were uh, the ruling family. And so her uncle, uh, he did something stupid that involved uh, the IU, and the IU declared war. So that's what happened. What I will say, though, that with the 20 years thing, then the whole thing about Moraine being so much older than Anvir uh, gets a little bit confusing. Uh, either the training that Moraine uh, went through uh, the White Tower take took a lot, really long time, which is possible. It would wouldn't be canonically correct. Or um, Anvir has terrible genes because she looks terrible. Why not both? <laughs> and as far as the war ending because of the birth of the baby, no, the war was well, already starting to end. Okay. Um, it's just that this this thing that happened on Dragon Mount with with Tam um, encountering her and everything uh, was near the very tail end of it. And the way that the story is told, and a lot of stuff is taken from the what we call Book Zero, 
it's it's basically a, a prequel to the book series called The New Spring, which actually tells some of the story of Moraine and Swan when they were younger. We also heard allusions to it earlier in this season when Moraine talked about uh, how land threw her into a pond. Um, that's how they basically met. She was already scoping him out, but that's how uh, they officially got introduced in the new spring. And she told that story this season. So they're all they're doing a lot of pointing towards uh, that particular book. And what happened in that particular book was the fact that the IEL were there for a while, and then they just pulled away, and they huh. and they went back in they went back into their threefold land. Um, is the way that it's kind of explained in the books. Um, so was there a, a definitive moment that ended the war? Well, that's what I would say it was, is that the I.O. said, okay, um, nothing's happening here. Let's move. Let's go back home. So. Okay. Ready for Bubba's question number two. Shoot. So Barthanis. Bart. <laughs> Bart. He's a dark friend he is completely evil if you're his mother what do you do now now don't tell me what really happens but if you're his mom do you kill him can you reform a dark friend by you know community service what is what would you do if you found out your child was a dark friend like barthangs this is this is for real like i should tell you what would i do if i found out that my two uh have any uh, kids are like uh dark friends yeah let's hear what would you do or what would i do if i were like i'm here i think what she did was perfect she okay. logged yeah she just like uh, you are a problem now uh i cannot deal with you so I would just tell, uh, I would just call the guards on you. I think it was perfect. Let us not re uh, forget that what she listened to was Leandrin telling her son to kill her sister, and if she got in a way to kill her too. So what so do you, you do you... with a child who wants to kill you? You lock this child up. He and needs call a timeout. He definitely needs yeah. a timeout. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a time out. It's time yeah. to send him to the orphanage. He's no child of mine. That's what I say. No, but w would you would you be very understanding if your child was completely on like your child would kill you because somebody told you, told him to kill you? Would you think this is this is good? This was okay. Uh, you can. It'd be nice know. to. It'd Reform? be nice. It'd be know. nice to go. Okay, my child has friends. That's good. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I think Anvir, uh, she was perfect in her execution and decision making. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Better lock him up than to get killed by her son. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know at this point, as a non-book reader, if a dark friend can be redeemed, can be reformed, can stop being a dark friend. So, well, old Bart's in trouble, I guess, is all I'd say. Bart's going to get yeah. it from both sides. He's going to get it from the, the light side, who is against dark friends. But dark friends, you know, these forsaken don't take being disobeyed very well. So, well, he failed. He failed his mission. So yeah, that will be repercussions. It could be bad for him. Uh, one way, either way, it will be bad for him. Poor Bethanus. 
all he did was just want to try and marry a queen and restore his family's house. I mean... I really liked him, I have to say. I think the actor was really cool doing it, like being like mild-mannered guy that you didn't know what it, where he was at. And then when Leandre shows up, he, he suddenly grows like a hair on his chest. It's like, go away, my dad! <laughs> so, that, that was strange, yeah. All right, a uh, third question. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, I, as a non-book reader, unsure exactly how the ways work. I know that there are seemingly edges on the ways, you know, like you can fall uh, it, seemingly into nothingness in the middle of the ways because you have to stay on this path. And on the way to Falm, just stab. I mean, it's not going to kill her. Just land, do something this season. Stab Landfear. That's what I'm saying. Is there, what's the worst you could do to somebody in the ways? Do it, right? Like she could still get stabbed. It won't kill her, but it, it would knock her out for a bit. The fact that Moraine is with Landfear and they're like both almost have the exact same goal. Scary. I don't like it. Land, do something. So it's not so much a question as, is there a way you could get rid of a... I guess there is a question. Is there a way you could get rid of these Forsaken in the ways to where they would not come back at all? Or if, you, or if you do find a way to kill them, are they just going to be reborn again because the wheel keeps on spinning? It's interesting that you say that because you did put it in a way that actually made me think about this. You said if you go off the edge, they might just keep falling forever. I mean what can you do you can't you can't die so you can't recover from that you would have to just hope that you hit something somewhere else or you fall all the way back through to the top and hit something i don't know how any of that works to be perfectly honest all i know is that it seems dreadful i do know <laughs> that there that that would be an awful way to go but it also reminds me very much of the whole and of course this series came later i think but his dark materials at the end, there is an abyss um, that a couple of the characters throw themselves in, in, throw themselves into in order to sacrifice themselves, and they are essentially falling forever until they die. So um, that that's very heartbreaking. It happens right at the end of season three. If you guys haven't seen that on HBO, but uh, it's it's pretty awesome. So maybe that's the way you take care of our forsaken and just put them in a forever state of falling through the air. Uh, maybe that would work. At least it would keep them busy long enough for you to get away from them. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Let's get to the tiny wheel of topics. Okay. The wheel has spun. I can read this one. Uh, Bubba, you were talking about Landfear being Landfearsome uh, enough to want to throw her down the ways. So let's start there. What were your thoughts about Landfear? One of the, I'll just say this real quick. I loved how casual she was just flicking fire here and there as she was walking through the foregate, just like, oh, this is so boring. Oh, man, the things I do for people that I've loved for 3,000 years. What did you think of Landfear? Well, let me go deep on Landfear real quick, and I'll try to set a timer for a minute as well so everybody else can talk. I love this character, love this portrayal. 
portrayal, she should always dress in that outfit that she wears in the dreamscape with those boots. I mean, why, why wear anything else? Ridiculous. Now, having said that, to me, I explain how Moraine going along with this, hey, I guess we're kind of partners in crime huh. land fear moment is ridiculous. But that said, I think it's very smart of Rand to use land fear. Like actually in episode six, I was really thinking to myself when I was watching that episode, I was like, Rand, why not just tell Lanfear, betray Ishmael right now, kill him, destroy him. Let's put him back locked up again. Like to me, if you've got somebody who's so that crazy about you, why not put them to work? And so uh, I, I love it. I, I, it's scary. She, You can't trust her. It's frightening. But we know, Ishmael knows that he she's going to betray him. Rand, make her betray him. Let's get let's get one of these forsaken off the board by another forsaken. That's what I would have done. I don't like Marine and the team going with her. But again, if I had been Rand, how can I use this evil person, this evil force, this evil entity for my goals? So that's what I thought. Priscilla, uh, I want to put this in front of you. So that order to kill Moraine uh, through Leandrin obviously came from Lanfear, not Ishmael. Uh, even though Leandrin did say, you know, our master, uh, but obviously she's yeah. a black Aja, so she can lie, whatever she wants to do. Um, but that means that if Lanfear was already reneging on this deal about that she had made with Rand about killing Moraine, although maybe you can look at it in the fact that maybe Rand broke the deal. And so she was just doing what she wanted to do there. Um, how do you feel about the fact that she loves it when, you know, lose manipulates her or so she says. Uh, so she found that very intriguing, but she's doing just as many terrible things. And now she's going to walk through the ways with Moraine that can't mm -hmm. possibly be good for us. Right. So let's go back a little bit. Uh, I think what you saw uh, with Lanfear on the far gate. Let's remember who Lanfear was. And she was there at the far gate, living in a slum just to get rent, right? Mm -hmm. So I read that scene as Lanfear triumphant return, as she doing finally what she wanted to do in the foregate since the beginning, which completely destroyed because she was there just because of Rand. Mm. And she she didn't like being poor. She didn't like being an innkeeper. It was just because of Rand Lewis theory. So that's what that's why she was being so casual about it. She was like just like, oh thank God I can do this. No. Um second thing is when Lanfear goes to talk to Leandrin, I think it was more or less implied because Leandrin said to Nynaeve that she was the one keeping her son alive because it was a weakness of her. She wanted her son alive. But she kind of understood that that was not life, what she was giving to her son and what uh, dear old Ishamaya was offering her. So what I understand is like Lanfear is playing tricks. So she is doing to, uh, to Leandrin what Leandrin actually wanted all along was to give her, her son some peace. 
and quiet, not seeing him suffering anymore. But she couldn't do it because she is her mother. She's his mother. And in return, she, Liadri would do what uh, Lanfear cannot do, which is to kill Moraine. So okay. kind of like they are, mm, that's, that was my reading. I don't know if it's so that a reading was her or loophole, a theory. You're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said. Like her going to the ways with Moraine, uh, I was surprised this happened. But thinking back again, I was not, su- not at all surprised that there might be some level of like respect. Because when Lanfi realized uh, that uh, Moraine was capable of not only killing her, like trying to kill her, but killing also the the horse and being able to see that Lanfi would go running after them. And then Lanfi says, oh, she's very ruthless. There was like some sort of like, uh, well, yeah, this woman... She's doing exactly what I would do. There is like some level of like uh, she re- could respect Moraine. So, and when she talks to Ishmael about Moraine, you can also see okay maybe she thinks that Ishmael made a mistake by letting Moraine leave. And then when they finally get together and Moraine uh, crosses uh, the portal with her, I could see I could see like a tentative alliance. Because like Lumphy wants Rand, but actually she doesn't want Rand. She wants Lewis. So it makes sense. I think Lumphy respects Moraine. Okay. Uh, anybody else have any other thoughts on on Lanfear? She's amazing. We love her. <laughs> I don't want to say anything negative about her because I know what she'll do to me. She'll treat me like the Forgate. <laughs> you don't want her in your yeah. dreams, buddy. You don't want her in her dreams. Just imagine her showing up in that outfit and not. <laughs> even being uh anywhere close to knowing some kind of safe word (laughs) so uh let's spin the wheel priscilla where did the wheel land this time my glasses went foggy on me the wheel land on land land he's the man and rand rand he can stand very very still (laughs) okay uh he can stand very very still as he crosses mm-hmm. the courtyard, he can keep all his back straight and everything else. So that cat can cross the courtyard just fine. What do you want to talk about here? Me? I thought Bubba would be the one talking about. I should not be the first person to talk about land unless you want another rant. So you start <laughs> okay. us off, Priscilla. I land haters. Land, land finally returned. Uh, it, was, it was, I mean, just two episodes uh, into the final and he made his his return so i wish i wished his storyline would have picked it up a little bit uh, a little bit no a long time ago let's say but we kept getting the scenes about lamb just hanging around and peeing like in the farm like with the with alana's um family anyway i think it was a good uh it was a good development that not only Lan was able to return into the fold with Moraine, but he was the one responsible for uh, giving back uh, the, the ability to channel to Moraine. And uh, he kind of, I hope that he kind of started 
like with this whole of mentor to rent in this episode. I hope that's like this is not just a one-off, but that Len will uh, mentor Rand through, throughout the series. Um, and Rand, he's as I said, Rand is less annoying. He is more adult. He's behaving very well. I have to say, uh, I I think like when he went to to talk to salons, yeah, he he lost his head for a moment there, but uh, it's understandable, right, Matt? Or you disagree? You would you would hate and anyway. I mean, I, it's I'm cool with all of it. It doesn't matter to me. <gasps> you cool? Oh my God. Okay. Uh, Rand, Rand is, you know, the fact that Rand is actually listening to Moraine, the fact that he stands between Lanfear and Moraine shocked the heck out of me, um, because he's usually mm-hmm. a coward. Um, but <laughs> that, I, I thought that was fantastic. I, I really... I really have improved my position on Rand this season. And as far as Land goes, I mean, Bubba, first, let's just hear what you might have to say about Land before I get into that. Okay. You know what? I'm going to try to go positive since I've been so anti-Land this whole season. And I probably won't be able to go positive, but let's try, right? What I would say is they had Land figure it out. They had Land put the pieces together, like showing him saying, if you ever felt like you might end your life and then him putting that together, that is smart. I think it could have happened quicker. Mm-hmm. I think it could have happened. He didn't, you know, I think it could have happened maybe while he was off on his own in those really boring parts of him <laughs> a couple episodes ago where he's on the farm learning how to pump water. Maybe he could have figured it out then. And then it's like, oh, I've got to get back to her so I can save her from this thing. And it might, the story might line might've had some pulse. They didn't, they chose this option. And so I'm glad it's over, and I'm glad that they showed him being intelligent, figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, here's here's what I'm going to say. Um, there's some really essential book book reader fan favorite stuff that happens in that conversation between Land and Rand at the beginning. Um, there are things that I just absolutely loved about that, but when it comes to Land playing you know, Detective Columbo and figuring all of this out as I age myself right out of the demographic that's watching these YouTube videos. Um, I think that there's just a lot to nitpick. Matt, did you say nitpick? Hey, we got a game. Let's go. It's called Let's Nitpick. Here comes Coach Trollick. Let's go. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's everybody's second favorite game behind Bubba Has Questions. It's Let's Nitpick, uh, where we try to find the most unreasonable nitpick about the episode you will find. Matt, I see you have lots of suggestions, but first let me ask Priscilla, is there anything about this episode you would like to nitpick? Well, I already did about uh, the inconsistence with Moraine's age in regards to her sister, because Moraine was young, 20 years ago she was young and now like she's older than her sister and uh, I, I, yeah but that's not a book reader nitpick it's just like I don't understand what's going on there it's nitpick that's great Priscilla that's great let's nitpick uh, Bubba do you have a nitpick for this episode I'm trying to think of one that counts as a nitpick um 
maybe you could say that the effect when they the Sean Chan are kind of taking their hostages out to prove how strong you are and they're kind of slamming into the ground and creating that uh, puff of smoke maybe that effect isn't as great as some others but uh otherwise i i think they're kind of big story points i would pick nothing nothing nitty i would pick that's nitpick excellent matt you've got a whole bunch here while you want to list them off thank you thank you so much coach well as i was saying with land when uh i just wonder when did he have time to read tower records i mean he spent the whole time being elsewhere he was at Varen's house he didn't seem to be doing any reading there because all that happened there was he, he tried to do sword forms in order to keep his mind straight. Uh, I don't even know that Moraine would have let him in anyway I, I, into the rooms where the where all of that great stuff was at. However, uh, it just seems weird. The rest of the time he's with Arafel, with Alana's cousin, cousins, he's, he's there. Uh, when does he have time to figure all of this stuff out? There's other stuff, though. Why was that sun so bleeping bright in Falma, but only on Matt's face? Everything else around it seemed pretty normal, but Matt's face was so bright. I, I, I don't get that at all. Why was Swan's air sword so cool when they were in that carriage, but yet when she started to form them in that night shot, it just looked like a comic book panel? Let's nitpick. If Landfigure is capable of getting Matt to Falma right before he wakes up, then why are they wasting precious time going through the waves in the first place? Obviously, she has a faster way. Let's see that faster way. That's nitpick. That's excellent, man. Oh, you got any more? Uh, why is every single scene for Loghain in that courtyard? It doesn't matter if it's night. It doesn't matter if it's day. I mean, does he have a bed out there? Is there a bath out there? Is he forced to sleep out there in the wintertime? It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Uh, he, yeah, yeah, he, I like that. I think he's forced to live there. <laughs> uh, like a dog. So there you go. I think that's all the nitpicks that I have. There's probably a couple more, but I'll just let them by the wayside. All right, Matt, thanks for playing listening. I just stubbed my toe. Oh. Oh. Get ready, people. <laughs> we're going to hang out with the Aiel, and we're going to learn about the toe of life. And because I'm starting it off, I'll go ahead and say we are learning about uh, more about the Aiel and the, these customs they have and how if you're responsible for, you know, not protecting and, and one of your own, you get you kind of face the music for it. You get the punishment you deserve. But I just don't, and I'm glad that we have more, because if we're going to fall, we're going to need more fighters, and these Aiel are great fighters. Good work picking those people up, Perrin. But um, outside of that, I, I almost wonder, I know I think it was only two scenes, but I think they could have done it in one, and I also think that I understand why the one Aiel is with Perrin. He did free her, but now suddenly the other two are coming along for the ride, too. If that was explained in the show somehow, I missed it. I like that character. I like the idea of, okay, our heroes need as many warriors as they can. And these Aiel look like great warriors. But at the same time, I'm like, let's get there. And instead of fighting each other, let's fight the people. I really hate the Sean Chan and the Forsaken. So good stuff. Maybe if I'm a book reader, I miss some things. What did you guys think? 
Well, one of the things that I love that was brought up myself, and this is from the books, but this this kind of situation um, is kind of actually the way you originally meet Avienda in the books, in the third book. Um, so I loved that, um, even though they had used another Aiel storyline to introduce her to Perrin. Uh, at least they paid tribute to what happens in book three here. Uh, the other thing, I love the hand talk. That's the, the, the maidens of the spear doing the hand talk is essential to how they can be so secretive. They're kind of like your special ops kind of people in a way. Uh, the maidens of the spear are. Um, they can really get a lot done with that hand talk. And it will take a while for you to pick it up, but you kind of get some of the motions already. Um, and I think as it goes, we'll get some more explanation. I think there was only one time that one of those gestures was mentioned or was uh, listed in like subtitles or, or somebody kind of translated it for us. So hopefully they'll get into more of that. I want the audience to be as much into that stuff as I am. I love Bane and Chiat in the books. I absolutely love them in the books. Um, their role uh, is fantastic um and this is a great way to introduce them as well and man i got emotional about that whole dispensing of toe to be perfectly honest i i, I mean i don't i don't approve of that practice but at the same time it's something that does help you to understand what a hard life everybody in that culture has what a and yet it's something that they are willing to subject themselves to as opposed to which is a great contrast to the shan shan which just take what they want and force it upon people that this is about for these for these aiel this is about honor and um that version of avienda's theme uh which i'll talk about in the music section just really got me as well I'm sorry, Priscilla, I didn't mean to leave you out of this conversation completely. Please tell us what you thought of a Gia tough life. No, um, it's something that uh, I, f I feel actually that I keep repeating myself when I talk about them uh, because uh, the way the series is introducing um, Avienda and through Avienda, they are you. Uh, I think it's it's very clever, but as you said, and also I mentioned before, um, that the initial way was a storyline that it was not a Viandas, and now they are going through another one, and then we have the introduction of two more Ayus, and um, they not only talk about the way of life, but we are also seeing how they live now and i think this is like the the most interesting part of the of this particular plot in this episode because we already saw with avienda explaining some things uh to parent right. when they were talking and why that she would follow him uh, because of this code of honor they had and now we saw exactly how how is in in effect I also love how they reintroduced um, that concept of how foreign water is to the Aiel. You know, my water is yours and everything. And then they see that bay and they are just aghast 
by how much water that is. It's a, there's a there's a passage uh, in book three as well where the Aiel are amazed just by the size of a river, and here you have this whole bay. So I love how they brought that home um, to really emphasize how little water there is in the Aiel waste, which you could probably suspect by the way that they covet it so much. But I just I just love that that they continue to reemphasize that because. Um, that may become very important later. And Priscilla, I don't know if you're there or not, so I'll say no more. She reads spoilers. Bubba does not. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll say no more. Uh, anything else on the IEO? Let me ask why Bubba doesn't read spoilers. It's a decision he made, or you are the enforcer here, Matt. Let's be honest. I'm not twisting anybody's arm. Matt Bubba. Is you not better the give enforcer. the right answer. After episode six, again, I, I feel bad that I didn't get to be on the episode six podcast because I was through the moon. I was going to say it was so wonderful. I was like, I'm going to read the books after the after the season. I was so engaged, so excited. And then the the what I felt like a, a purposeful slowdown happened here. Now, on the Aiel, the show has done a great job of making me hate the Sean Chant, hate the Forsaken. And if uh -huh. the Aiel in this final episode, what I'm suspecting, I could be wrong about everything, but if we show up in Falm and parents like Aiel, unleash, take out anybody you want to, and they go to town on our villains, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be high-fiving myself in the in the air. I'm gonna be jumping up saying, Hell yeah, let's roll. So I I didn't think it was too thrilling meeting these two more of them. But if they do what I think they're going to do, they're going to be some of my favorite characters, too. Where did it land, Priscilla? So, uh, still rain, or does anyone have a better shipper name? Also, including the flashback. I think that's the the Ogi name, no? The Ogi, Surain, right? Surain? People called it, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's what people called it or not, but I love it. So uh, it should be. Yeah. Again, I was confused about the whole age thing mm -hmm. with the flashback in particular. I'm really glad that they are going to, for uh, this route of having them having like a meaningful relationship. Actually, I am very glad they, they did that to any number of other relationships that in the books felt a little bit not explained very well, but mm. in the series they are more fleshed out. Like, I know exactly how Nynaeve and Len got together, because it was shown in the series. Uh, as opposed to in the books, it's something that happens kind of like... Uh, Off page. Yeah. Exactly, because Rand is a teenager and he doesn't, he cannot see anybody else but himself anyway and you sure uh, you don't want to do a rand hater segment because you sound no, like you no. do no i i like the rand now in the series i'm just talking about the rand in the books that he never noticed anything it's At least 14. very strange how's he gonna notice anything and <laughs> When I was 14, I was I was gossiping so hard. I was noticing a lot of things. But anyway. You're smarter than Rand. I mean, that's another diss on Rand. Yeah, I'm sorry, Rand. Yeah, I can we get you. back to the topic of hand? Poor <laughs> Rand yeah, is I'm taking sorry. a lot of fire here. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, so uh, as I, I was saying, I really like this work, the series. I uh, took that like to flesh out relationships and to show relationships being meaningful other than, okay, they're just there to for sexual relief and so on. So it was... Um, it was nice to see them together, having making plans, even though I knew exactly that those plans would be uh, basically never happen uh, because of a prophecy. Everything was nice. And the breakup, I feel there is something more to it than we can see right now. So I will reverse judgment for when the series ends and we can see some explanation about exactly what was happening there with Swan. If not Swan, you you were very like you don't deserve Moraine at this moment. Yeah. So Bubba, let me turn to you with this because we do have Swan basically coming up with this plan of let's just put Rand in a cage and in case of emergency break glass. So what is happening here? Is this do you feel? As a TV show person, because I'm not going to talk about it too much from a book show person, but I have seen some theories out there. Um, there, It's possibility that this is just a continuation or a continued evolution of that swan character that made Moraine swear on the oath rod to never return to the tower or and maybe due to political pressures, maybe due to whatever um, or. Is it a possibility because she seems so different from the swan that we see in the flashback here, which that relationships kind of stuff was not in a new spring uh, to that degree. Uh, the pro actual prophecy was they were both there when that happened, but so was the Amarland seat, I believe at the time. But nonetheless, um, is it possible because we've heard compulsion mentioned a couple of times in this season is it possible that swan isn't acting completely on her own do you think it, I, I one of the two possibilities weighs more heavily in your mind let me say that i didn't think that at all and, and okay i only get that idea from you guys talking about it right now i think it's natural the way it read to me as a, as a non-book reader and i'm not saying it didn't feel a bit odd but it felt like they had this secret plan, what they were going to do with the Dragon Reborn and how they were going to help have the Dragon Reborn kind of, you know, make things right, for lack of a better word. The Dragon Reborn has been with Moraine all this time. She tests him and he he hasn't he learned at all how to use his one powers. He seems kind of pointless and he seems very, uh, what's the word? You know, he's not focused on the goal. I think it was Lan. Here, let me give Lan another uh, brownie point. Lan, who was like, you're thinking of my my friends. You're supposed to protect the whole world. Yes, you got to protect your friends, but you got to protect the whole world. That's the way you've got to be thinking of this. And so to me, it, it felt like that's what caused Schwan Sansei so uh, kind of rigid return to, okay, we tried our secret plan. It didn't work. Let's go with what everybody said. And And especially now that I'm in power and that it really is my my decisions on the line. That's what it read like to me. But now that you guys are talking about how evil, evil people can, can take control of your mind, I guess I could see it. And if that ends up being true, you know, I won't, I won't be like, no, this didn't, this came out of nowhere. I, I could see it, but I did not think of it at all watching the show. Well, what do you think of the break in case of emergency 
plan. Uh, evidently, Tower Law has dictated this. It's not like Swan came up with this plan herself. She's looking into right. a book and it says, when the Dragon Reborn shows up, you put him away and you hold him until you need him. Now, whether it says whether he's the general or not the general, if he's is he just the canon or are they support? Moraine's position is they're supposed to support the Dragon of Reborn. Uh, it seems like Swan's interpretation is uh, the Dragon Report. The Dragon Reborn is supposed to support them. So, how did you feel about uh, this approach that the Tower seems to take? Is it plausible? Is it something that you think would work? Is it something that you think is totally weird? If you're talking about the towers plan, I think it's quite logical. This is a this is a battle that's been going on forever, right? Like it, it's a constantly happening battle. That's why they keep referring to this end game as the last battle. Like we've been doing this forever. This is the way that generally works. I, I think it makes sense to lock him up and almost have him be a tool for your side. Okay. And uh, you know, it's like Moraine. We tried your way; it didn't work. He's he's incompetent with the one power now. And so, uh, once again, to me, it did work within the context of what the show was presenting. Now, I wasn't especially happy that this was the complication we were getting when I thought the conflict. I thought we were going to build to, hey, let's take out these these terrible people, the villains we hate, and instead we had this internal fight, kind of over you know over nothing. So. Uh, but at least that's the way it read to me, if if that makes any sense. Priscilla, you've already mentioned that you don't think that this is it for Swan and Moraine. They, I assumed that those flashbacks uh, at the end were from Moraine's perspective, and she was being very sad about what was happening. Now, that doesn't mean that Swan's not doing something there. But let's just talk about the state of Swan herself. She's Is, is she hurt? Is her back broke? What's going on there? I mean... Landfear calls are broken, but that probably just means politically more so than anything else. Is this the last we're going to see Swan this season, I guess? Well, um, there's like a lot of questions there. That's just going back in the prophecy like that we had for the, the show specifically. Uh, Guitar says that they should not tell anybody, right? So it was just something, and she maybe she gives the dismission to them specifically to Swan and Moraine. What I find confusing is like, uh, and I have to mention the books here, is that in the books it's made pretty clear that a woman cannot teach a man how to channel, how to control it. Uh, and that's what was another thing that uh, later I found very strange in Suan's discussion with Moraine because she's basically saying, Hey, you didn't train Rand. It was like, dude, she cannot train Rand. Yeah. And you know that. So, uh, what, what are you implying here? She was uh, trying to get Logan to train him, which it didn't work yeah. out so well. And no, so no, no. she was doing the right thing. You're right. Swan is Swan is in the wrong here, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That, that's um, that's that's what I was saying. And so I don't. I really. Uh, I cannot. I give a like. I give myself a headache just to think about right. this whole situation because right. there are so many implications of book knowledge, show knowledge. What is going on here? What. It just seems uh, it just seems that something so important you would at least talk like have a heart to heart. Uh, 
So I, I really hate when the shows, they do that, like the people don't talk when they should talk. And there is like almost like a misunderstanding. I don't think Swan is uh, broken in the way that we figure that Moraine was broken by the end of the, uh, the first season. Meaning I don't think Swan was shielded. I don't think Love Fear did anything. I just think that Love Fear would just... Um, just meant that politically speaking, and Moraine already had guessed it, that Swan was in a, she was walking a tight rope there. Uh, she's not like a very popular armoring seed. And uh, you have so people that, like in prior episodes, like Leandrin, uh, so yeah. seeds about the Shan Shan to Leanne. Uh, and Leandre, uh, you have uh, now you have Alana and Varen basically going against Tower Order in order to help Moraine. Uh, exactly. This organization is splitting quickly. So th that's what I think Lamphir was getting at. She already has this sort of like alliance with Leandri. She kind of she might know exactly what is going on in the tower. So that she meant that for herself, for Lamphir, it's a better thing to have uh, an Armelin seat broken, as in completely discredited. They are going to, to like she's in Kareem with 14 sisters, and what happens? She she loses the Dragon Reborn. Uh she has Kareen attacked under attack when she's there. And instead of protecting, they, they will find her like almost dead. It can't be That's good publicity to try to put out a fire with a hailstorm because you've got uh you got all these people running from fires outside then all of a sudden you pelt them with hail they got to find somewhere to get cover from that and there's nothing there but burning buildings so how do you get around that it's tough the local carn weatherman is like don't tell me i said it was going to be high 50s and dry don't you know i don't know what's happening as somebody who doesn't know anything about where this story is going a bit like <laughs> it was obvious moraine was going to get her powers back I think it's obvious that these two are going to reconcile and Chuan Sansei is going to have her powers. Revolution. And I think, I think, you know, it's typical in a story that our groups might split apart for a bit. And so in this case, the white tower might have faction splitting, but when we need them, I think everybody's going to come back together and fight the real villains in the last battle. I think this will take a while, brother. Oh yeah, this you guys say this is a fourteen book series. It could certainly take a while, but when it, when when push comes to shove, I am on Team Aes Sedai. They're going to do the right thing, all of them, except Good. except the bad guys, except the uh, dark except the black. Yeah. black yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, excellent. Spin the wheel. Well, I think it landed in the section which we've already talked about a bit. In the but I can't say it because I can't pronounce these episode titles. It's the, the game of houses, I'm pretty sure. And it's this uh and Moraine's sister. Moraine's sister knows how to play better than anybody. Yes. Uh Anavere plays Daystamar better than you, as he used to say on ESPN. Uh I love this stuff. I'm just gonna say real quickly, uh I think it was an unlike some of the other types of fake outs that they have done uh in regards to uh various plot points or what have you especially in season one uh i feel like that this was really nicely done it was a nice twist yeah. 
for non-book readers uh, and book readers alike, because I think, Priscilla, you and I discussed about how they were really making some compelling, at least circumstantial evidence as to why Anavir might be involved in this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It broke my heart, all of this type of stuff that they were doing in order to uh, see what she went through this episode. She's lost everything. She, she can't, she's lost her son. She's, you know, this is going to ruin the house's name yet again. If word gets out that Barthanas is a dark friend. I mean, this kind of stuff is, is just as detrimental. She'll be starting right back from square one, from where she'd been trying to build up ever since her uncle did the bad thing. But does it, but doesn't she even doesn't she even know that that has to happen? What she says to her son is, you know, the one thing I know about my sister is she knows you got to do what's right, even if it's the most painful, costly thing. And that makes you like her is that. Absolutely. Yeah. She's going to, yeah, the house is ruined. Big deal. This is what needs to happen. I'm on her side. Let's roll. Was it odd for you guys as book readers to see Leandrin making a house call As, as somebody who doesn't, know what's going on and hasn't read the books that did seem a bit like oh i said i will just come into your house and say hey what's up <laughs> let me well, have let's have a talk i, I did it seems uh, odd in that scenario I, no i i can answer the other way around i think like the in the in show lore it makes completely sense and it's already like something that okay leander is here i know what's going on because the, the minute now you see Leandre after the episode where she delivers Nynaeve and the others to the sunshine, you know exactly what is going to be. And from this point on, like, any, Leandre is bad news. We already knew that since uh, season one, but at season two, we already established why she is bad news. So, but for the book perspective, we were discussing with, I was discussing with Matt about it. I was like, maybe they're adding Anvir to this whole dark friend right. social thing. Now, because right. Baton is, is a dark friend in the books. Because even if you were going to be a book faithful, Baba, it was, there was so much, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure as an unbook reader, you thought, well, uh, you probably didn't think too much about Berthanas being a dark friend. Um, you may have suspected it because you're smart and you. No, saw- I, I didn't. I, I I even said a, a couple of podcasts ago. I was like, this guy's on a different show. Yeah. And so and so that's why it was an effective. Oh wow. Okay. But even for our book readers, we're like, okay, Leandrin's here, so one of them is a dark friend. But which one is it going to be? Because we were guessing just as much as you, even though we had book source material to tell us it was Barthanas, we still didn't exactly know because they had spun it so much in a way that it could go either way or it could have been both as as priscilla said so i loved how well that that, was done i loved how other than other than that matt let's not forget and that's why uh, we were discussing so hard and people also because in the first season they did something very similar with dana remember yeah Done in the books, she's with uh, the Glee Man. Remember, Tom mm-hmm. Maryland. They were together, and she's not a dark friend in the books. She's actually murdered by the Whoa. bad guys, right? And in the first season, what they did, they put like an innkeeper with the same name. So we are supposed. Oh my God, she's the she's um, 
uh, Tom Marilyn's girlfriend, but then she, they made her a dark friend. So I was like, okay, they are doing this. They are putting like someone with uh, the same name here, but like with a d- different loyalty. So I was like, okay, maybe Batans is not a dark friend. Maybe it's Anvir is a dark friend, or maybe they both are. Uh, for some reason, it doesn't feel like Leandrin's going to be taken down in this uh, season finale that's going to happen next week. But I want it so bad. I want it so bad. I want it. Is it Varen? I want all my brown Aja to totally crush her. And I would not mind at all if she gets totally got and killed. This actress has done a wonderful job making me hate her. I guess I understand why she went to the shadow, but to hell with it killer i i love it and i want to see it i don't think it's gonna happen next week but i would love it well it seems like everything next week's gonna happen to falma and that's the last subject uh on the wheel here falma schmalma no it was great so this was some of the best stuff in the episode for me as well um well all of it was great for me but uh there's plenty that happened here just in short little micro doses that made it um kind of difficult to digest i think perhaps for some people mm-hmm. and um my big question that i'm going to talk about i suppose is matt because what has he gotten himself into and i kind of want to ask you this bubba actually priscilla i'll ask you this um do we think that when matt takes the tea that he's seeing actual representations of past lives or is this Ishmael getting in there messing with things a little bit in order to convince Matt to uh, perhaps uh, stay more on his side as everybody else comes to Falma? What do you think's going on there? Is it is Ishmael actually using the truth for this manipulation or is he fudging it just a little bit? And uh, I think when Ishmael and Lomfir are talking, like there are two things happening. Lomfir tells him that he's getting better in the dream world. Mm-hmm. So, and um, he discusses her his plan, which is basically turning each and every friend of Rand either to the dark side or kill them or whatever, make them suffer so that Rand would eventually break and join them uh, on his free will. So what I think is happening here specifically, I think we saw that Lumphier brought Matt there, Falma, so he is in Falma, but in the same way that um, our Ishmael talked to Min through her dreams, it was implied, at least it was through her dreams, Right. That he's doing something to Matt. I don't know about the tea. I don't know if the tea was something real and then everything got out of his head there. Or I don't know if the tea was just something that uh, Ishmael used, some like a pedagogic device for uh, uh, Ishmael to use to get inside his head. Uh, but I, it doesn't seem that all this that it was all not manipu- being manipulated, manipulated like the images. Uh, it doesn't. It, it didn't feel like it was everything mass there. That's what I'm trying to say. 
Maybe Ishmael like showed him glimpses of his past lives, but I don't think it was exactly like that. Bubba, how did you feel about Matt's uh, revelations about his past lives and his mom continuing to scold him no matter where he goes? I took it as it was real. I took it like, okay, in his past lives, he's been a bad dude. And what was interesting about that scene is the positive about it is as a non-book reader sitting there watching it, I'm like, don't drink the tea, dude. You're doing exactly what he wants you to do. But of course, the setup of the scene demands that he drink the tea. Like no storytelling device would have him not drink the tea. So he drinks the tea and I saw it being real. That said, Matt, who book readers have told me for two years is great. And I see little glimpses of, oh, this could be great. I wasn't a fan of going to this storyline at all in the show because I want to get to the other storyline in Falm, which is really my favorite overall. So I guess I thought they were real. I thought, you know, they're giving shading to Leandrin. Maybe here they keep trying to give shading to this forsaken Ishmael. And he's like, listen, yeah, this is what I'm suffering for. Now I can sleep when you see this stuff. So I guess that's the way I interpreted it. Okay. Uh, Well, what was your favorite part? You know it. This show, why why does the Egwene storyline work so well? They, and admittedly, it's over the course of a season, but I wonder if they could have done this storyline in the third episode or the fourth episode of season one. Like when you see a character suffering, being abused, falling victim to things that are not just, it affects you. It affects you when you see it. When you see heroes, Going to save someone from this condition, it affects you. You love it. Egwene's defiance is is uplifting. It's it's you could put it into any situation when you are when you are against it. When you are trying to be broken, don't be broken. You have to fight your way through it. This storyline is incredible. It's very easy to comprehend. Okay, this is what they want. This is what Egwene has to do. This is what her friends Nynaeve and Elaine are trying to do to free her from this horrific fate. It is intense. It is engrossing. Every storyline needs moments like this. I know you're like, well, can't characters develop? Yes, they can, but they don't need, you know, there are different ways to do it so that it's dramatically compelling. This is compelling television. It's great television. It is a great storyline. It is the thing that makes you sit up and go. You, you, do we want characters to suffer? No, but we want to see characters fight, you know, fight through it. We want to see characters overcome it. And that's what I believe is going to happen. There's a part of me that what I was just talking about, I don't think Leandrin gets taken off the board in the next episode, even though I want it so much. There's a part of me that thinks if they free Egwene, is that too soon? Like, do we really need to see a true transformation? Or has just, what is it, two, two and a half episodes of this horrific nif, horrific uh, treatment been enough for me to say, okay, I see this character's going to have grown and changed based on this horrific experience. Either way, I want it so bad. I want her freed so bad. I want her friends to succeed so bad. When Elaine and Nynaeve put that collar on one of those Sean Chan women, I was like, hell yeah. It gave me the thrill that I got so much of in episode six. I, Once again, where do I think it's going to go or where do I hope it's going to go? I think for some reason, Nynaeve and Elaine may not be able to save our girl in, in just one episode next week, but I hope so. I hope I want our heroes to overcome this challenge. I want 
the show has made me hate the Sean Chan. The show has made me hate Ishmael. I want them defeated. Please, please give me some happiness in next week's season finale. That's what I say. Uh, I I just want to throw this in real quick because uh, Madeline has done such an extraordinary job uh, doing these scenes, and that's got to be just as hard for an actor. I mean, not as hard as actually living it, but trying to place yourself into that mindset cannot be a very healthy thing. So I'm very, uh, I, I I just feel like that she did has done an amazing job. But I also mm-hmm. want to point out to the about uh, Zella Mendez Jones, who uh, I think they go by they. So I'll, I'll just say that. But um, they have done an amazing job, not in just making me hate Rena so much, but also in um, just keeping me glued to what is Rena going to do next, um, because that has been just as compelling. And Egwene is you see the amount of power. That was the one thing that I loved about that that whole Damani test. This seemed more like a Suldam's driver's test than a Damani test, but uh, just to see how much more power she had compared to the other ones that we saw, um, that was fantastic. Um, that was that was the same level of blast that we saw knock over Loyal and Perrin and them uh, back at Alter's Mill. Uh, so, uh, and evidently that, that's, that was just a one level one thing. So autonomous mill was not much of a challenge for the Sean Shan at all to take over. Uh, I'm going to shut up about this Priscilla, go ahead. Any thoughts about Egwene or Nynaeve or any of this stuff? Go ahead. No, uh, I think you said, uh, everything like, uh, props to Madeleine. It's been, it's been quite a ride. I will say this also for an Ogier who pretty much keeps to himself it's a good thing that he reads a lot of books because he knows how to pay proper respect to a princess to an heir to the throne uh and i loved how that got under Nynaeve's skin that was fantastic this relationship of is one of my favorite relationships in the book is between it's fun it's really and 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 they're doing it really well in my opinion Um, i 100 percent agree unchain egwene unchain egwene Come you on, know, show. Give us something good. <laughs> as Bubba likes to say, if you're for Egwene's freedom, and you yep. should like this podcast uh, wherever you're right, exactly. getting it. You should subscribe wherever you're getting yes. the audio. You should subscribe yes. to the Double P Media YouTube channel. Because if you don't, you're anti-free Egwene. And we don't say want that to again. that. Um, please don't. You're anti. Yeah. So we don't be a hater. Yeah, don't be a hater. <laughs> Leave comments in our stuff. You can find uh, Double P Media stuff at Double P HQ on all the socials. That includes Twitter, Instagram, uh, Threads, and Facebook. Facebook.com slash the word double the letters PHQ. You can also find me at Bus Blockbuster on whatever Elon Musk is calling it this week. And uh, you can send emails to me, Matt's audio blog at gmail.com, M A T T S audio blog at gmail.com my musical analysis is coming up next and we're not really covering any new music although i did make some comments about the ending music that i thought was really spectacular there's lots of ways that themes that we already have established can make you feel in different ways and some of that can be just simply reharmonizing things this week's musical analysis really isn't going to cover anything that we haven't already covered 
but because Mr. Balf did do some what we call reharmonizations, meaning where the melody is the same or just slightly altered and new chords are placed underneath in order to create a different kind of emotion. And we got that twice in this episode, once with Egwene's theme, once with Avienda's theme. But before we do that, I just want to comment pretty much on the last five minutes of this episode. Balf really took us through the emotions with these scenes as they happened. Everything from the revelation that Rand could untie this knot that Ishmael had placed as a tie-off of the weave through the standoffs with Swan, the ordering of Moraine to close the Waygate, which included the main theme, also sometimes used as Moraine's theme, has been used like in the very first episode of this season. And finally, that wonderful, climactic, very emotional scene of what appears to be the ending of the partnership between Moraine and Swan. All of that was simply glorious. But let's get into the meat of what I wanted to talk about today, and that is reharmonization. Melody and melodic shape tells a story, but harmony is what tells us how to feel about that story. You've heard me say many times on this podcast how major chords can make us feel lighter. Darker chords usually come from the minor keys. There are other further exaggerations of those kind of harmony, such as the diminished chord, which can create even more of a scary effect, or the augmented chord, which is the raised note from being major, which makes things feel weirder, or the use of Lydian scales and tones in harmony to make things feel bigger. All of these kinds of chords can be placed underneath any kind of melody as long as you know how to make it work. And we saw two great examples of that this week. We've already talked about the Egwene theme, but I want you to listen to this part of the melody so that you can hear how it's normally presented. However, this week, after Egwene had really displayed her power being shown off, essentially, by Rinna, and after the air weave goes through, we have a moment of silence for everybody to experience the sound of it, even in the city proper, and then we come back in on Egwene, and we hear Egwene's theme, but there's a slight difference in the harmony. Can you hear how the chords are different? And also how the melody right at the end is slightly altered to create a minor four chord. What that does is when we have a minor four chord in a minor key, it really accentuates the darkness. And Lorne had to slightly alter the melody in order to make that work. He really only lowered what would normally be that note down a half step but it makes all the difference in the world to let you know that it's darker. Plus, the chords leading up to it are 
darker as well. There's different chords in there. And that's what creates this feeling where we as an audience are wondering, oh no, is Egwene actually turned? Will she be a destructive power against the rest of her buddies? The music really helps sell that psychologically. And it makes the ending where she basically still has her resilience and she tells Rena that she's going to kill her. The fact that Lauren set that up earlier in the episode where we were questioning it makes that payoff even better. Now let's turn to Avienda's theme. We just heard little snippets of it when they fought the White Cloaks and it was a glorious version. It was fantastic. We heard that melody that I covered being played, but it's kind of done in a little bit slower way. So tempo and rhythm can make a difference in how we feel about something. And here Avienda is facing her toe. She is facing her obligation. So it doesn't have that peppiness when we saw her kicking white cloak butt, right? It also has some different chords underneath it. Again, I covered this, but let's review what that melody part and its usual harmony sounds like. But in this version, we got more drawn out chords. The melody's slower. The chords are darker. It makes things more emotional and it kind of helps us to dig in and really respect Avienda for being able to take responsibility for her actions. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that practice, but I'm not going to question the way the Aiel do things, especially when we've seen them be as badass as they are. At any rate, it sounds like this. You can definitely hear those differences, right? And that's what makes music so glorious, is not only are there a set of rules called psychoacoustics that help us to understand how harmonies affect us. It was developed by Pythagoras a long time ago. You know that guy that did triangles? He's the one who first started studying this stuff. But film composers especially in the last 70 years, have really taken advantage of this stuff and really helped improve the way that film music affects us. But with reharmonization, there is also multiple paths that can be taken using those psychoacoustics. And that versatility helps us to experience a whole range of emotions. And that's all I've got for this week's musical analysis. Let's get back into talking more about this episode. What's worse? Ladies and gentlemen, it's a game that everybody loves. Not quite as much as Bubba asks questions or uh, let's nitpick. But Priscilla loves it more than any of those other games because uh, she's the one that chose that we would do this one this time around. Priscilla, uh, the way this game works is each of us asks a what's worse question with whatever situations we want. Then the other two 
panelists have to answer from opposite sides, kind of like high school debate team, basically. And then you, if you were asking the question, get to decide who won. So do you want to ask a question? Yes. So what's worse, uh, running from fires caused by lumpier <laughs> or having to run into fires to seek just a little bit shelter from golf ball size hail caused by the ice die? Wow, that was hard. I'll take this. But what's worse? It's not, it's not hard at all. It's easy to know exactly what's worse. When you see a woman spitting fire out, that's the worst. Uh, there's a reason why that famous saying is, a woman spurned, you're gonna get burned. There's a reason why when a woman is angry, you just shut up and nod, because that is the worst. That is what the worst is. And especially if it's a woman who, let's be honest, is like thousands of years old, ooh, 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 granny upset with fire, run. That is the worst. <laughs> okay, then Matt has to yeah, be the gotta, opposite. I, I gotta come up with the other one. So, uh, Bubba, you're completely wrong, and here's why. You're gonna burn anyway. They're, they're, it doesn't matter which way it is, but to also get pelted by hailstones before you get, you gotta burn, because where are you gonna get cover from the hail from? You gotta go into the burning building. You've gotta become a firefighter. You've gotta become a hero, and then you die anyway. So, what could be worse? Just getting it over with once with a you know a nonchalant blast from landfear or to nonchalant. actually well you saw how nonchalant she was with the fire this episode just all over the place just that's like oh, a little for you and a little for you but if you're trying to run from that and you're getting pelted by hailstones i mean that's a much slower death it, maybe you can just like you know it may be less agonizing but it's a slower and more painful death to just stand out there in a hailstorm. Those stupid Aes Sedai, they can't even make rain. All they can do is make ice falling down, at least for the first couple minutes of that. So I say that it is much worse to get pelted by the hail and then to die anyway by fire. It's not personal from the hail. It is personal from land fear. She is upset. She's coming to get her man. Oh, she doesn't care where it goes, where it lands, what it burns. She's just creating a distraction. She's having a little fun. Let her have some fun, Bubba. I mean, she got all dressed up to talk to Rand in the dream. Right. And... She's not dressed up for me. Maybe if she had dressed up for me when she's burning me, that would be more fun. But she did it, so it's less fun. Bubba wins once again. Bubba, you don't know the safe word. It's just that simple. <laughs> okay, tell, tell everybody the safe word then. Loose Theron. <laughs> Priscilla, who won? Not you, Matt. Not me? No. In this no, instance, but... Priscilla is a yeah. little No. <laughs> Listen, Baba, yeah. uh, he kept it he kept it short, he kept yeah. it sweet. Uh, his argument about Lemfear uh, being just angry and that an angry woman is a dangerous thing. Um, I, I cannot say I agree with it. It's a little bit, uh -huh, but well, then how uh, can it's you better than him. No, 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 no. It's, it's better than yours. It's better than yours, man. Hold on. We have a real life example that an angry woman is a dangerous thing. I present exhibit B, Taylor Swift. Uh, okay, 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that will be edited out of the podcast. What? We do not, yes. we do not want now. the Swifties on us. We do not want no, the Swifties on us. No, I'm just proving. That, look, the Swifties, they, they're <laughs> a point in my favor. See? You have, you have made, they get angry, you have they'll burn the whole enemy of the Swifties, down. Bubba. How, how can you do that to me? I'll never I'm saying don't anger the. Again. I'm saying don't anger the Swifties, or they'll burn your house down. It's it's my argument writ large. Yeah, that's a good way to to make a that's... Swifties feel good about themselves. They'll burn your house down. All I'm doing is trying to avoid them on social media. Uh, Bubba, you ask the next question. I am please. not avoiding anybody on social media. Swifties, please follow me. <laughs> Man, Swifties, if you want to kill me for what I just said on this podcast, yeah, I'm not trying to avoid me. you, Swifties. Swifties, I respect you. I am totally. <laughs> what Matt said was wrong, Swifties. Just shake it off and follow me. All right, there you go. See, it's all. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Here oh, we Bobby, go. You ask the next question because Coach Trollick had to take I'm a piss. Asking the next question, you guys, one time, get serious. Okay. What's worse? You kill people, you killing, you're killing people over and over again in every life, like we saw Matt in his delicious tea drink. Or is it worse to have Ishmael stroke, stroke your face while you see yourself do it? Oh, that, oh, I know which is worse, but what do you guys yeah. say? Uh, Priscilla, you get to go first this time. What is worse? Thank just you. Killing Thank people you. over and over or seeing yourself do that and then having this creepy Ishmael, you know, up in your personal space. What's worse? I think having Ishmael that close to me in that creepy little Ishmael way uh, with the mind games that Ishmael yes. plays, which mm-hmm. it's already established. His mind games are not as as good as Lumphier's mind games. It's just creepy and strange and weird. And he keeps going on and on about how how amazing it would be if he could die already and never come back. I mean, Ishmael, you're so full of it. I mean, uh, yeah, I think he, he's losing a little bit. He's getting mad, uh, which is spoiler. Uh, <laughs> he might. You won't like but... him when he's angry. No, it's not even that he's angry. It's that like he he goes into this headspace where he he's the only one who understands exactly what is happening, and not nobody can be as annoying as a person who thinks that he's right all the time. So yeah, Ishmael, don't know. Go have a drink, talk this tea, have some have some wine, dude. Relax. You are annoying and creepy. Okay. Matt, this is going to be... Matt, if you can somehow combat this, this will be the greatest victory ever. I don't know how, but let's hear it. How is the other side worse? Okay, let, let, let's look at this from the actual perspective, Priscilla. Because what Ishmael is doing is he's not creeping Matt out or anything. He's comforting him. Uh, at the same time, let think of Ishmael. He's been living this experience over and over and over himself. After time, after time, after time, after time. What helps better than to have a therapy pet near that you can pet, that you can make help you feel better, that can help you calm down, that can help you get over these things. Therefore, what Matt did for Ishmael 
And simultaneously, of course, Matt is having a traumatic experience too. And what Ishmael is doing for Matt is in fact much better than just having those experiences by yourself alone in a dream where you have no idea what way is up or anything like that. Ishmael is a loving chosen. He's not forsaken. He's not forsaking anybody. He's there for Matt. Okay, so basically you're not defending your position, just attacking mine. And for that, Matt, you win. That was actually so creepy and disgusting having you describe it that way. That was actually worse than either of the original options. So for coming up with something that creeped me out as much as as Ishmael stroking Matt's face, Matt, you're going to win just so I can stop you from talking. Oh, my God. Creepy. Okay, Matt. You get the last question. Oh, good. This one's for Bubba and Priscilla. Excellent. Uh, Priscilla will go first. Mm -hmm. And I am asking, what's worse for Logan? Land taking that key away? Hmm. Or land coming and demanding information without bringing a bottle of Gildan Red in the first place? <laughs> Pretty straightforward. I think um, it's already established that Logan just wants to kill himself. How could Logan kill himself with a key? We don't know. So taking the key away from him, the same as his life right now. So not, there is not much change there. However, one can can kill himself drinking wine. So in this sense, preventing Logan from killing himself by drinking a really good bottle of Gildo Red is the worst thing that Len could have done against okay well but do you have a response to that amazing argument right well first i want to show priscilla some respect by telling her that she did a terrible job arguing that now i'll also say that coach trollic you messed up and that the real worst is having lan invade your storyline because that means it's going to be 10 percent more boring you know really it would be like lan you know stick on the farm do some farm chores you know i got an exciting story here where i'm dealing with moraine and rand but anyway, what is truly worse is is the opposite of Priscilla, meaning that hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna die, I'm gonna be driven mad, and not with any cool, refreshing beverage. So that's worse, hundred percent worse. I have no idea who won that argument, Matt. Do you? No, nah, I'm lost. Wait, what? Coach Trollic, be careful, or I'll put land in your storyline too. Feedback is next. What's worse? What's worse? Feedback. Here we go. Twitter uh, or X or whatever Elon Musk is calling it this week. No, we're not going to stop at any of that stuff. Uh, Carol Briscoe. Carol. Who's at Briscoe Carol underscore Carol on Twitter or X or whatever Elon Musk calls it says uh, about episode seven that Rafe mm-hmm. entered it would be awesome. Everyone is in place for an epic season eight finale. Fom, bring it on. <laughs> Hell Excellent. yeah. Um, also, uh, Nerdy Guns, love that handle, uh, just says, so, Flamin', good. 
So wow. wait a good. I'm glad so, people love it. Good. I'm sad I was so tough on episode seven, but I'm glad people love it. Hell yeah, nerdy guns. Now, Bubba, of course, we have your YouTube channel, which makes you millions of dollars for all those thousands and thousands of downloads that you get yes. for only murders Download. in the building, oh. uh, for Ahsoka, for yes. everything except this particular podcast. Right. So why don't you read to us what David McGarry said to me in response to my solo cast last week? Okay. So this was feedback about episode six, where David wrote, Rima was acting in self-defense against her and her warder, but only when her life was threatened. Okay. So these are, you know, these are white tower rules, I guess is the way to think about it. Uh Note the weaves used were more about reversed healing than striking an enemy. An interesting question about that, that doesn't get brought up on the show is would the three oaths prevent an Aes Sedai from killing themselves to avoid being captured and collared? Wonderful question. I, I I don't know how the three oaths would uh, deal with this. What do you guys think about Rima and last week, her her awesome battle in episode six against those evil Sean Chans? Does, that's a great question, Priscilla. Does suicide constitute breaking the oath because you're harming another Aes Sedai or you're harming an Aes Sedai? This is too philosophical for me. I would say that um, no. I would say you could kill yourself all the yeah. time, every time. Yeah. I think the wording is I technically think, other I, I should die, right? I yeah, I think I think you cannot harm others, right? Yeah, that's what I was getting at too. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. I think you're right. Uh, David McGarry, forty three thirty five, continues. By the way, yeah. thanks for chiming in two weeks in a row on on our YouTube videos. Yes, really thank you so it. much. Uh, but uh, I love this, uh, and I don't know if this will even go over Priscilla's head or not. I'm, I'm assuming she knows the titles of the books. Oh, and would you have said that Swan's Weave was perhaps a crown of swords? Or is that a bit of a reach? <laughs> crown of swords is the title of the seventh book. Um, so, And it's actually the one that I'm in the middle of a reread right now, uh, which I paused to watch the television show. Uh, so love that joke, David. Matt, oh, Matt real quick. Where does that book rank in your kind of ranking of the 14 awesome Wheel of Time books? Crown of Swords is good, but I actually, you know what? I'm a fan of books four, five, and six in a big Ooh, way. Well, we're about to get um, into Because what, hap- what happens with the books then is kind of like a, a I don't want to say it's a George R. R. Martin complex because Robert at least puts stuff out. Uh, but things do get a little, because he's still trying to work out how to, make the last battle happen uh which he didn't even get to poor guy brandon sanderson finished it for him although i think that he did have notes for a lot of it that brandon used but uh he got into what some people call the slog but four five and six lord of chaos mm-hmm. uh, shadow rising yep. and uh oh what's the fifth book i can't remember the name of the fifth book uh the winds of winter no but uh, close, very close. It's something about flames, I believe. Anyway, uh, those three books are probably my favorites because it takes a little while for everything to get off. Book two is like a reset. Book three starts to really get into some stuff and bring some cool characters on. But books four, five, and six, man, so much stuff happens. It's fantastic. David wrote, Matt, he continued and he wrote, I really enjoy the musical analysis. David says he's not very good at picking up the context clues 
and he feels that there are a lot of them in the show. And and David, just so you know, because you always wonder, is it called Twitter? Is it called X? David has the correct name for it. That app is now called X Twitter. Excellent. Uh, love it. Thank you so much. We'll call it X Twitter from now on. Uh, new watcher, evidently, somebody who's joined on with the WP Media, Land Mandragoran. 8072. Well, they may not stay with us very long uh, since they're named after a character that you drag constantly, Bubba. Uh, <laughs> but they say, I found you by searching for a Wheel of Time interview and I ended up watching and I really enjoying your recap and review style. I love the analysis of music and how it affected the scenes and I especially and especially your point about the silence when the going touched the picture great work. I will subscribe and try to catch up on your content. Well, Thank you th so much. This person also was talking about a podcast you did on your own, Matt. So wait till they hear Priscilla and I, they'll be like, let me unsubscribe. Uh, Who are these two like, fools? Oh, no, yeah. what, what they'll do is what they'll do is they'll start writing in the comments, hey, get rid of the host and you guys just do a podcast. I think is what's going to I I doubt it. You have not only your head, but also you have coach so you actually you don't need anybody right now. that'll be the worst that'll be the worst feedback of the podcast the hat <laughs> is one fifth i'm a fifth and uh coach trollick is a fifth as well so uh i am ready to scratch my back and watch you guys uh suffer criticism because i'm such a great podcaster no yeah that's not what's going to happen at all but i'll tell you what we did get nearly 1600 votes on the 100x twitter as Dave McGarry likes to call it, uh, regarding these uh, or this last episode. And 38.9% of you uh, called Bubba a liar by saying that it was great or perfect. 33% okay. of you called it good, which I mm -hmm. think falls in line with Bubba pretty much. Although Bubba might fall in the 16.7% that called it fair. Um, I don't think that Bubba went so far as the 11.1% who called it poor. Whoa. Well, we love all these votes. How do we follow this and get to vote on Twitter again, Matt? You can vote on the polls on X Twitter at Bust Blockbuster. And usually a, the Double P Media YouTube will retweet them as well. All the socials are at the word double. The letters PHQ, that includes Facebook, Threads, Instagram, and X Twitter. And you can also send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com if you ever want to just give us uh, your thoughts about the episode. We love it when you leave comments on our videos, just like David McGarry did, just like Land Mandragoran 8072 did. Thank you so much for your contributions to our community. Uh, the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash at the word double, the letter P, the word media and priscilla has her own channel where she covers everything very well as well now matt i'm about to disappear because i like to stay non-book reader and do my part to give that different perspective but before i leave what are we going to do next week next week is the final episode now we know we're getting a season three but that might be two years away how are we going to celebrate the end of season two of Wheel of Time here on the Bustin' Blockbuster podcast? Well, that's an interesting point because my schedule has once again made it to where I cannot really have time to record or to meet with Bubba and Priscilla because we are a worldwide podcast. And so it's difficult for us to get 
together. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually put off our coverage of episode of the finale. I know you all are so disappointed that we might actually take some time and gather some thoughts before we open our mouths, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a week thinking about that and talking about just the season overall. You'll get that stuff sometime after, I, I guess in two weeks from the time that you get this in the meantime, don't forget that contest as well. You have up until October 7th. Midnight in Hawaii. That's what we have. Midnight in Hawaii or midnight in Paris or midnight in um, Mm -hmm. Beijing. So wherever you are, when it's midnight on October 7th, that's the end. That's the last you can enter. We have five book covers. Two of them are the same book cover, just different designs. And they are the basis for four TV franchises. The link will be in the show notes. Click on that link, watch the video, identify the four TV franchises, put it in the comment there, or contact us in the ways that I mentioned before. And you are entered into a contest that has a chance to win $100 gift certificate from Amazon. Melissa Nola is already there. Are you going to let her be the only one? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com and find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com. Part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. <laughs>